one thing we have to keep in mind is that, and we talked about it on the show. But at the same time, it comes from two different points. Then all of a sudden, you want to say, oh, well, you know, best, I think for me, I don't know if I can speak for everybody else. This is Dead End Sports. This is the place where sports opinions collide. Dead End Sports. I'm your host, Kenneth B. Inch. Joining me on the show, we got Shelton J. What's good, man? How y'all doing? Chilling, man. Uh, Q, the sis man. That was good, was good. Chilling, bro. All right, and let's jump into our show for tonight. Let me we got a, hey, we got a we got a super chat off the bat. Mm. So Paul McWhite. Um, thank you so much, Paul McWhite, for the super chat and everybody in the group. The super chats help us keep the channel running and keep the show going. So we appreciate all those that do. Um and thank y'all for joining us, those who join anyway. Um, Paul McWhite said, <clears throat> let me find it. He said, well, I'll never send a super chat. Forgot to type his question. Uh, what y'all think of Brett Favre's comments about the, the uh, Chauvin verdict? Mm-hmm. I, I, I saw it. Um, he said it on his show. I think he said um, he don't think that he meant to Kill him. That's right. what he said. Yeah. Something like that. But he was wrong. Yeah. Uh huh. Well, here's what I'll say. I was actually uh it wasn't a long conversation, but just a couple of tweets with uh Jay Force on Twitter. Um he was basically saying that Brett Favre at this point, you know, should know better, given that he's like 50-something. And um, and I pointed out that he's a white man from a small city in Mississippi, a place that I'm all too familiar with. That's also 50-something. Guys like that don't change. And his response to me was that, well, you would think with him playing football, and having black teammates that he would have learned to know better. My response to that was, well, he may have treated them teammates the way Bucky treats Falcon on uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. He called them co-workers. He said, they ain't even friends. Falcon said, man, we friends. He said, now we co-workers. So he probably looked at them as co-workers, or he looked at them as one of the good blacks. One of the ones that made it out. You're not like them. You're not on the sidewalk or at the store, you know, trying to, to you know, uh, cash in a, a fake bill, $20 bill. You're not that. You're not in a position to where that can happen to you. Um, and because of that, of course, his vision would definitely be skewed because these are the elite of the elite black Americans, so to speak. And, um, and, you know, he, he could see where I was coming from. And, you know, Brett Favre is just tone deaf or just set in his way. So he views policing like a lot of other white Americans in this country as one way. And he views black people that are committing crimes as one way. They're criminals and they get what they deserve. So whether or not Chauvin intended on killing George Floyd, 
the fact of the matter is George Floyd died. So he got, so maybe they could argue that one of those counts are not justified, but you know, uh, I'm pretty sure some of the other ones are. So for me, Brett Favre is just your white man in America that are in a lot of households right now saying the same thing. We just had a chance to hear from him out loud. I, I completely agree. I think that um, <clears throat> for him to speak out like this, I, I, I'm conflicted. I hate it coming from him. And the reason why I'm conflicted is I want to say to Brett Favre, like, how dare you say this when you don't know what's going on in that man's head? All you know is what you saw, like what we saw, and you knew it wasn't right. So for you to say that this man didn't mean to, he did it. So how you know if he meant to or not? You know what I'm saying? I don't know that. But then again, at the same time, a part of me says he has a right to his opinion just like I do. So whether his opinion is right or wrong, he has the right to that opinion. But I I just look at him like, you know, to me, it it doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? It don't matter what Brett Favre says at this point in time. I ain't going to watch this podcast. I'm never going to tune in. I'm never going to listen to him talk about anything unless he want to talk to me about how, what he thinks about a quarterback. I'll listen to him on that. But other than that, I don't want to hear nothing he got to say because none of his views probably line up with any of my views. So it wouldn't affect me in my day-to-day of nothing. So I don't care what Brett Favre was talking about. Yeah, I feel that. Um, but Brett Favre still, at, at his day and age, has a lot of influence. Um, you know, and, you know, it carries a lot of weight, what he says, his opinion. Because his opinion couldn't sway people that are on the fence about what happened. Um, you know, and, and maybe they may turn around and just look at it in the same light. Or maybe it's confirmation for them to look at it in, in the same way. So, um, you know, it is what it is. He's not alone in sharing that, that, that opinion that thought and um you know and that's is to share but you know it is what it is and if he's bold enough and brave enough to go out and say it then he's more than capable enough to accept the backlash that comes with it if any and a guy like Brett Favre probably don't even really give a damn so um you know it is what it is a lot of people are going to comment on it a lot of people going to say a lot of things on it and you're just getting a fair and balanced so to speak approach to it cuz you're hearing it from a lot of black people about it. So now you get to hear what, you know, the white guy had to say about it. Now you, you know, so you get both worlds. So, uh, so yeah, was it surprising? No. Was it disappointing? No, nah, it wasn't even disappointing. Brett Favre is who Brett Favre is. Brett Favre has done and said a lot of fucked up shit, a lot of fucked up racist shit or can be viewed racist shit over the years. So it's not surprising. You know, he is who he is. Yeah. But while we are on that, um, one thing, uh, Kyle, when we were going through potential topics for the day, did uh, mention LeBron's tweet. Because LeBron got us some hot water for um, voicing uh, his stance on what happened to Mikhail Wright, I believe. I'm saying her first name correctly. Um, so I apologize, but she was shot four times, um, 
in Columbus, Ohio, by a police officer. I think his name is Daniel Reardon. Uh, 30 minutes after or before, I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure on the details, but it was yesterday. And it was right around the time when they announced the verdict for Derek Chauvin. And LeBron posted your nets. And he posted the guy picture. And that was before LeBron saw any of the video, had any facts, and uh, and he had to take it down. Or he took it down. He didn't have to take it down, but he took it down because um, he didn't have all the information. So according to him, it was causing a lot of um, extra hate and stuff like that. So uh, what do you guys think about what he did? Like the tweet. I think the tweet was was instinct. I think that it was <clears throat> it was very instinctive and it and it was how he really felt. And I get it, because a lot of us felt the same way. Um I think taking it down was the responsible thing to do. Because this one out of all of the cases, even though it's still ways around it, this one was the most on the fence, I could have been about any of these killings. You know what I'm saying? And in saying that, LeBron has that heavy influence. Very far has influence. But LeBron has the heaviest influence and the heaviest voice. And he could lose more support than he could gain from this stance, if that makes sense. So taking it down to review the footage and to kind of get a feel for what's going on helps to keep his credibility intact. Because you have those people that are on the fence with with a person like LeBron. And it's like, you know, I don't know. And then he puts this out. And then, you know, those people may be swayed in the opposite direction. So in saying that, I I felt like it was a responsible thing to do to take it down. But I understood why he posted it. Because I I felt the same way. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I was tired of hearing about it. And that's what he felt. He was the same way. He's tired. And he spoke out quickly, very quickly. And... Like I said, the responsible thing to do is take it down, get all the facts, and then go from there. Whatever he says after that is on him, but you know, to put it out there before he got all the facts would have been it would have been irresponsible, but understandable. What do you think, Q? Man, to be honest, I really ain't got much for it. Um, really don't have much for LeBron uh, on this topic at all. Don't really have much from probably most people on this anymore. I find it all to be performative. If y'all want to do something, if y'all want to get some historical perspective, read Walter Rodney, read W.E.B. Du Bois, Black Reconstruction in America, read How Europe Underdeveloped Africa. I ain't worried about no athletes tweeting. Gotcha. Um, Yeah, I hate that he he, he, uh, that he put it up there. because he does have a lot of influence and a lot of power uh, <laughs> with the damn tweet. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, the, the I, since LeBron was, what, 18, 16, maybe? He just had niggers sprayed on his door, on his garage. <laughs> you know, it was probably called nigger, at, you know, at, at home when people were watching it. But, um... But yeah, it was it was it was a little quick on the draw. 
obviously, and he didn't have all the information. Um, but it's just like, I think it shows that when I thought about this, because I really didn't have a, a thought about it one way or the other, but what it did help show me is that this man does have, or a lot of these guys have a lot of, lot of influence and weight in a lot of different ways. And LeBron does a lot of things. And I'm not saying that he can do more, but let's just talk about athletes just in general. The things that kind of just taking a little bit of what Q was saying, like the things that they can do outside of just tweeting or holding a press conference, you know, just saying this, that, and other, sharing their opinion the same way all of us have opinions. Like in what other ways can, you know, this guy go and, and influence and get real political change uh, going on to get these, these things that they have real, real hardcore issues um, about change outside of just tweeting and holding a press conference or having the NBA spray Black Lives Matter on the court while the Black Lives are running up and down the court. Like, what kind of change is that? So, yeah, this tweet would have been cool if it was what he thought it was, but it still wasn't going to bring her back, nor will it stop the next black person from getting killed. That comes with a lot of police reform, and maybe he needs to lean on some people in the, in the way that he can. It probably won't change much, if anything, but we don't know. But, um, but you know, in the other ways that he's helping, I think it's cool. But, yeah, I think uh, kind of what you said, Shelton, he just got caught up. You know, was, you know, he was caught up and he was emotional. He just reacted without getting all of the details of, of what happened. And he just picked the one, wrong one to uh, to make that decision with. So and everybody's using this to to attack him. And what I don't like about that is that it can make him a little less reluctant to say something in in the the next time. Right. You know, because, you know to a certain degree, what he says, well, shit, it doesn't really matter. I don't know. People talk about it. but um, it, does, it does for him, yeah. It does yeah. hold. Not, yeah. not to everybody, but to a lot of people, it does. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's something that we've talked about on this show, about them being vocal about things that's going on. But then um, you look at the people that haven't been vocal about stuff. This is probably the reason why. So uh, it's a catch twenty two, man. But we're just in it. We're just in this climate, man, of stuff. And you know, he just he just got caught up. So I hope he doesn't be less reluctant to say something in the future. But I just hope he tries to find other more tangible ways that he can uh, help make change outside of tweeting. So uh, yeah, that's all I got on that. But and we have a super chat too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maurice Wilkins, what's up, Maurice? Man, appreciate you. Um, it doesn't matter the intent. Um, hold on, this was earlier. Uh, he was talking about this was on the Brett Favre thing. It doesn't matter the intent that comes with first degree murder, which he hasn't, he wasn't charged with. Are you, are you guys tired of NFL draft talk yet? LOL. I'm not, I'm not tired of NFL draft talk. Mm. Um, I think this year, unlike most others, this was probably the most exciting draft as far as you don't know where what pieces are going to fall where. 
So that about that part, I love. I love the fact that, you know, and these are all franchise chains. You got five quarterbacks at the top of the draft that are going to change the landscape of the NFL. I'm not saying they're going to come in and be world beaters. I'm just saying you're going to have new faces of franchises this year more than any other. Normally it's like one or two maybe, but this year there's five, you know what I'm saying? And you don't know who's going where. So in saying that, it, it that's exciting to me. And you got these skill players. This draft is deep, man. You got Kyle Pitts, who is one of the best tight ends in decades that's coming out. You got, you know, Panay, one of the best offensive linemen coming out. You got, you know, wide receivers, Jamar Chase, um, those Alabama guys. This is exciting. You know what I'm saying? And I, I'm really waiting to see where these chips fall. So I'm excited. And I, and I like the draft coverage. I like it changing every day. It's different every day. So I appreciate that. Uh, I haven't really followed much draft talk. I just, you know, a, a lot of this draft talk, man, these guys, Mel Kuyper and all them, <laughs> you know, it's a bunch of bullshit. You know, they just get on here and just make these lists to, to um, you know, fill time. You know, people click on it. It's, it's a numbers game and it moves the needle for a lot of stuff. But, you know, does it really amount to much of anything? Like how many people said hey, everybody has Sam Darnold going number one, you know, and, and, and fucking Baker Mayfield got picked, you know, and they were saying some of the same things you were saying, Shelton. Sam Darnold, best prospect to come out of the NFL uh, college in a long time. Everything that you're saying about all those other guys, like Kyle Pitts could be an absolute bust. <laughs> and a lot of these guys that come in the NFL turn out to be absolute bust. So it's a lot of hype behind it. And a lot of them I found really, really really have no idea what they're talking about when it comes to this sort of stuff. So, you know, so yeah, I haven't been following so I'm not tired of it, but when I, when I was the last couple of years, that's when I just realized, I'm like, this is just a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> it, it, see, it see, most years, like I said, I'd agree with you, but I watched some Kyle Pitts game, and he is that, you know what I'm saying? Um, he's that dude, man. I, I done seen him make some plays, and I'm like, this dude is nice. Um, and some of the other guys, the same thing. We saw what Justin Fields could do. We've seen Trevor Lawrence these, these last couple of years. So we know that some of these guys are that, are that deal. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and Mac Jones, I'm going to tell you what I'm guilty of. Same thing I said earlier. I'm real, you know, salty about how quarterbacks play awesome during the season and then they, they drop in people's minds. You know, in the offseason, using the black quarterback to drop. Well, Mac Jones, for, for the longest, wasn't even considered. But he played lights out football all year. So I was like, man, I'm going against my own work because I wasn't thinking about Mac Jones. But if you think about it, man, it's, it's some good players this year, man. It's going to be good this year, I think, unlike others. Where the other ones were prospects, but these guys actually performed on the field. So that's why I'm excited. That's, that's really the reason I'm excited about them. Yeah, I can say the same thing. Um, probably echoing a lot of those same sentiments. I haven't been following anything in regards to um, anybody outside of the Eagles and what probably the Niners and Falcons are doing. Those are the most interesting teams to me to follow right now. But I already know that Howie Roseman is going to do some terrible GMing on draft night, so I can't really expect much from him. Uh, but I am very, very interested to see what um, – 
San Fran does. I wanted to see what Kyle Shanahan has up his sleeve. And I really want to know what um really want to know if if Atlanta invests all the way in Matt Ryan or if they invest in a guy like a Trey Lance to stash behind Matt or if they go with Kyle Pitts to the fourth pick. We'll see what happens. But I haven't been like super close to it. So I haven't had the fatigue this year. So so Q, quick question for you. Do you think uh Hertz is gonna be the starter week one? Oh man, on all I know is like this is <laughs> this is like 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 the like the way that Harry Roseman has been operating the last couple of weeks. He's talking about competition, he's talking about Hertz is doing a good job. The coach is talking about the competition. I I couldn't tell you. I, I you have just as much a good guess as I do because we've been in a state of flux since we took Jalen Hurts. Like, like I knew, we, I knew that that pick last year was a sign of internal front office decay. Honestly, where is Philly picking this year? I think we're at uh, twelve right now. But there's a, we're trying to make more moves. We traded from six to twelve, and a lot of the fans, you know, what I'm saying we're going to be like, oh, it's a great, you know, it's a great pick. We picked up, I think we picked up a, a either a second or a first, if I'm not mistaken, uh, in another draft in like 2022 or something. And people are like, oh, this is a perfect move from High Roseman, and I'm like, this don't mean nothing if High Roseman is the ones making the pick. It don't mean nothing. Because at the end of the day, dude has drafted zilch. Like, how many Pro Bowler wide receivers has Ty Roseman ever drafted? Like, mm-hmm. name, name over the last six years. I mean, it was like, I can't name you the wide receiver that he's drafted or the skill positions that he has drafted that has helped this team. He's reached on so many linebackers who weren't good. He's reached on so many offensive players. Uh, on the line who are not that good, who end up, end up getting bounced out. His his defensive drafting record, it's all abysmal. And we are stuck in purgatory with Jalen Hurts right now. And this is this is all because he couldn't foresee, or maybe or maybe he did, Carson Wentz flaming out and he took Jalen Hurts. But honestly, if he was invested in doing his uh most complete job. I, I always maintain what I've been saying. He should have built around uh, Wentz and gave him a real shot. But we'll see what happens with Hurts. He could be the starter, but I would bet against it not being the starter. Actually, yeah, he Ooh. said there's going to be a, a quarterback comp- a competition now. If Jalen Hurts can't beat out Joe Flacco, that's a problem. Yeah. Or if we or if we draft a QB, this is not EaglesTalk.com, so we ain't gonna do all that. But um, but you know, in terms of you know where the draft is headed, it's gonna be interesting to see what the first I think the first five do. After that, uh, that I think that's when the draft begins because you have um, you know a very deep position at QB right now. Guys like Trey Lance, who is enticing to a lot of uh, people who are mesmerized by. Patrick Mahomes, you know, they're looking at that big um, that big gap between Mahomes and his and his class and the skill sets of a Lance and being able to hopefully like 
but basically like put him in a pro system like a 49ers. People are talking about that. People are saying Mac Jones will look great. You know what I mean? In New York Jets, you, you know, be able to bring back the Big Apple and whatnot. People are discussing, you know, um, what's his name? Uh, other dude going, going to 49ers. Like, you know, this is Justin Fields. This is, you know, and his stock is dropping be because of the narratives of people are trying to supplant like what Ken is talking about with uh, Mel Kuyper and whatnot. Ken, yeah. is he the first one in? Is he the last one out? You already know what that means. Can he process the game? Does he think the game like a Mac Jones? This is already happening right now. So I don't really like to get into draft watch because I, that's not as present in the NBA. Um, but he, he has they, he has epilepsy as well. Word? Okay. Yeah, yeah. they just that just came out too that um, Fields has epilepsy, but they 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 were saying it shouldn't affect anything. Yeah. Because with medication, it's it's under control and yeah. it's a hereditary thing, and his family grows out of it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I man. saw that. So no one knew this before or it just wasn't public? I guess it wasn't public. I, I don't know how it could not have been, but I guess it was That's wasn't. kind of a weird thing to just put out at the last minute. Right. <laughs> it's not, that's, that's a not hit like, job, man. Yeah, it's a little bit invasive, and that's why I don't really look at a lot of NFL uh, draft coverage like that because – to me, it's just coded in filth in terms of the language that they use about us and our people. Um, and I just can't really support, you know, just so he's a beast. He's a monster. All those like all those adjectives. I, I don't care what no one said. That stuff is racialized and they only use it for us. They don't, you don't never hear them talk about Trevor Lawrence is a beast. Trevor Lawrence is a monster. He's don't ever say that. They say, oh, he's so gifted. He thinks so light. I ain't trying to watch Mel Kuyper and them talk about that for two hours. You know what I mean? Like, I'm good. Yeah. I, I tell you, I, I guess because I love football so much and I like I like seeing the pundits be wrong. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. To be, I'm being honest. I, lo- I love to see how, because you look at these mock drafts and what they do, and I take a look at all that stuff. I do so I can, you know, familiarize myself with all the players because some of those players you've never, you know, paid attention to. I need right. to be able to you know, familiar with these guys. So I watched the mock draft and it's crazy how you go from the first mock draft to the second one to the, and all these are completely different in most cases, maybe a couple of spots stay the same, Mm -hmm. but that lets you know, man, they're guessing just like we are. And Mm -hmm. and you really, they're hardly ever on, but I I, I appreciate, um, I just love football enough and I love the players. I love seeing young men get an opportunity. So, you know, and what you make of that is so important. And it, it's just it's just exciting to me. So yeah, I, I like that moment. Yeah, I um I mean the only reason I know half these names because of COVID, I ain't get a chance to see or see any of them really play. I don't watch any college football is because of Madden. That I mean that's it. And they import the draft class and stuff like that. You know, I'm just not at, I'm just not in love with football. Uh in that way, you know, to, to really care like that. So, but, um, but yeah. And then what I, now I don't know. Yeah. But I do think that I, I guess for me, it's just, I want to see the moves the day of, like, let me see when, when, when they happen, who's going to be picked where and why, and then, you know, see what they do. The, uh, you know, when the season kicks off. 
Yeah. We got a super chat real quick, y'all, from uh, Manish Gundar. Hey, appreciate that super chat. I really do appreciate it. Um, thanks for making working from home less awful. <laughs> we appreciate you. <laughs> appreciate you, too. For sure. Yeah, appreciate that. Yeah, appreciate all y'all. All right, so uh, Anthony Davis is returning tonight versus the Cavs. He will play 15 minutes. The Mavs. They're playing the Mavs right now. Did I say Cavs? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Mavs, yeah. The Mavs. So, uh, so yeah, he's going to um, play uh, 15 minutes, and uh, and that's it. So he's been out for... A while now. I was trying to see if they had a timeline, but you know, it's been pretty much about two months almost. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um so yeah, so we'll we'll see how that go. Um so he comes back. I don't have a do you know when LeBron is set to return? They say he's at least another four weeks away, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think it was that long. Four more weeks away. I think he's back he's back to light activity. I thought it was only like a week or so away. I thought I thought it was at like two to four. I don't think which so would be me. like which would be in line with six to eight. So that's not crazy if it's like two, three more weeks. Yeah, I know he's back to doing uh, on the court work because he's been out for like what five weeks, right? Five, five, six. So probably like two, three more. Yeah, he is doing on court on the court work, but uh, yeah, he yeah, man, man, they're they're winning, they're staying afloat, and he ain't got to come back immediately. They're gonna load him up. But that was that, that that was basically part of um the injury topic that I think is uh, pretty interesting, huh? Yeah. So uh let's um get into that. So uh so AD returns, um LeBron is a couple of weeks away. So um yeah, man, let's talk about how these injuries will impact the playoffs. Where you want to start, Q? Uh yeah, I just wanted to table the question, like um Basically, in you know the same way you said it, but adding on, you know, Harden, his hamstring, Kawhi is recently, you know, got a you know a soreness in his foot with that issue. Uh, Tyron Lou, who deserves a uh, Coach of the Year uh, nod, uh, said that uh, Kawhi is nursing this back to health and he should be okay. He wants to get back on the court ASAP, and he just wants to hold him out just for precaution. Um, I want to be able to. Speak. There was another injury that um, is definitely going to affect, if I'm not mistaken. So we have Harden, LeBron. Oh, yeah, LaMelo Ball. We need to talk about LaMelo Ball coming back. And uh, Trey Young is hurt as well. Trey Young, for sure. So let's just start on those. When it comes to how will injuries affect the playoffs, I'll I'll ask the question to y'all like this. You think that we're going to be at a point where coaches are – having to due to the load managing and due to the, the amount of injuries that we've seen, you think that come playoffs time guys will be cycled in and out missing a game here and there. Do you think it's all a matter of who is the most health, health, healthy who will win the championship? You think that we'll have these type of setbacks in the playoffs and of the players that are coming back or battling the uh, injuries. You think, um, which which is the most impactful to their team? Which injury like impacts the team the most? Um, well, I'll say. Oh, go ahead, Sheldon. No, go ahead, Q. I mean, go ahead, uh, Ken. You know, I'll say this. Um, 
it's kind of interesting when you really think about it because I think the Lakers may benefit the, the most from this. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly because their two main guys went out, got hurt, uh, missing a huge chunk of time, uh, resting, of course, as people are pointing out, while injured. Um, you know, we don't have to get into the details. If you're watching this show, you know their run to the to the finals and how many days they had off, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I think for them to have the injuries when they did and for them to come back now with just enough games to kind of, you know, get into a rhythm, get in the role players a chance to kind of improve their skill set and, you know, build up confidence. I think they could benefit the most from from injuries um, when I when I look at it because THT's gotten better. I saw someone say Caruso's gotten better, but, you know, he's a marginal role player at best, but he's kind of like a specialist. But um, but then you look at everybody else getting hurt, and, and that's what I'm looking at. So they've gotten their injury bug out of the way. The team has done its job. They've basically traded water long enough for them to kind of maintain their position. They may take the first round and use that as, a, as almost like a tune-up to kind of get into a, a rhythm once the big dogs come back. And then, of course, you throw in Drummond on that team with, you know, all of his uh, skills. In addition to that, they could be really, really, really dangerous when you look at the rest of the field and the way the injuries will impact them. So just taking the Lakers starting out, I think that they are in a prime position to make another run at defending the title. I, I completely agree with that. I, uh, that assessment, I, I think that um, LeBron coming more, more than even that uh, the stuff about, you know, the, the extras, LeBron coming back and getting a center to help him out is really all you need. And they're rested. Like you said, they're rested. And they, they'll be ready to go, him and AD. So they'll be at full strength. And that's really all you need. LeBron and AD and add some pieces in there, you're good. So you got players that are playing up to par now. And it's it's, it's going to be pretty pretty tough for other teams if they're not at full strength to match up with these guys. So it, it's it's going to be hard for anybody else to, to come question and play. Show. Yeah. Question for you. And also, shout out to the chat. If y'all want to respond, please respond to the question I'm about to ask uh, to Shelton. So you what how on a scale from one to one to ten, and you can do it for either as a unit or for each of these each each of them individually, LeBron and AD. How confident are you one to ten that their injuries will not re-aggravate in the playoffs? Uh LeBron, if 10 being the most confident, LeBron, I have no issues with his injury. To be honest, I think LeBron may already be back right now it's just about about rest for him i think this is more about him resting than the injury if that makes mm-hmm. sense they played a lot of games they needed time off mm-hmm. hey yeah i was a little little bit i'm probably about at a six with him because that wasn't just him resting that was them being cautious with him because it'd be easy for him to get hurt again and you could tell that he's laboring and he could tear that thing at any moment just like kd did so with him, I'm a little bit more worried. That ankle sprain with LeBron was, you know, wasn't wasn't pretty, but I don't think that's something that's going to affect him at all. So and once again, anytime you got LeBron around, you got a shot, and they got weapons in place. You know, they got 
him, you know, like you said, they 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 added Drummond. I don't think Drummond's gonna be that big of a factor. I don't know why. I just don't feel like he is. But it's still better than what they had. It's better than Gasol. Mm-hmm. So they just need uh, Drummond in in that context. And I agree with you. I'm actually a five on AD. Not very confident. Um, the 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 nature of a calf that leads to your Achilles. That injury in the playoffs, I don't see that getting much better. I, you know, if he if if he is a hundred percent, like then that's a, that's amazing. But mm-hmm. I know for what they reported, AD was dealing with like tendonitis or something of that of that nature, and that don't go away in just a month and a half. That don't no. go away in just like a couple of weeks rest. And if you're talking about ramping him up, it doesn't even matter if you ramp up because then the the injury like that can flare up at any point where if you just move wrong, you have two days of activity. And just speaking from, from, from experience and from other athletes who've dealt with this, AD playing NBA-level playoff basketball every other day on this injury four times through four rounds, like, come on, yo. Like, at the least, I don't, I don't see that being – you know what I mean? Just a fairy tale ending for us. It's 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 gonna be something that's like very interesting. But um Ken, how how confident are you? One one to ten. I'm kinda in the middle. Well, I'll say give me a six. Um only because of AD's body. AD has always had, you know, injuries throughout his career. Um he's been better. The last uh, few years in being able to stay relatively healthy by comparison. But we saw what happened with KD. We see what happened with him. And, you know, I'm with Shelton. I think they were just being uh, extra careful. And then, you know, we'll get into him later, but we see what happened with, with uh, Harden. We see how long it's taken for KD to even get back on the court. So I think they did the right thing in, in holding him out as long as they could. And um, and I think that's where Drummond could help because he could help them offset some of uh, AD's minutes. Mm-hmm. Or if AD goes down, he he's not AD, but he's talented enough with LeBron where LeBron can make him work and he's able to kind of get something out of him as composed to Gar- Gasol or fucking uh, JaVale McGee last year. Right, so the talent gap between those two is is immense uh, with with him. So he can make it do what it do. Winning the title, eh, that that might be you know uh, hard to do. You need AD to be on the court to do that. So with him and what was reported about how he felt it rip, yep, that yep. is what concerns me. Yep. yep, yep. I just like that. Anytime I hear that verbiage, I just I cannot. Um, just in good, I, I in good conscience cannot just you know just, just brush it off. Be like, okay, well, you know, AD once he gets back into it, everything's going. Nah, man, same way. I've, I've been playing on on this show for months. I don't care what nobody say. Kevin Durant is not playing in the playoffs for straight rounds on that injury. Just coming back and not having a full season, not even having the real time to acclimate. Yeah, no one questions. KD can he when he feels good? Can he go out there and immediately? You know what I'm saying? Be a factor. No one's saying that. Is how long can you sustain your recovery? You know what I mean? And that's and that that that's what is the sign of of an actual 
rehab job instead of it being stressed by not just the schedule, but it's being stressed by the environment. It's being stressed by all types of factors that guys are going through. And I know for a fact that these guys are are nursing these injuries with, with supreme caution because of the extent of the schedule and how frequent the games are. I think I saw that the um, Pelicans have played like eight games in 10 nights or something. It's just like, it's just, wow. it's, yeah, man, it's just, it's, it's getting to a point where the guys who were in the bubble last year, like I've been saying, were going to be at risk of very serious soft tissue aggravations and injuries because of the 70 day turnaround. And then of the lack of, I think, comprehension by the, um, players union to actually look at this from the perspective of all right we, we might get these billions but some of our guys might have shorter careers because they're competing in a very um predic- you know it's a very shortened season but mm-hmm. it's, it's it's just one of those things it's very interesting i wanted to stay in the same vein of injuries and pass it to sheldon in terms of uh the brooklyn nets yeah we got a we got a super chat on that real quick too so, uh, Marty McFly, appreciate you always. Marty, as always, how worried are you about the Nets? Yep. Uh, way too that. fragile, in my opinion. Starting mm. to think KD might not get back to 2019 KD again. Mm. Man, perfect. Perfect segue, Marty, because mm. that's exactly what we're talking about, where so much of what the Nets have done has been obviously predicated on the big, Big, big three, the big, you know, the big three-headed monster that, that we've never seen that in terms of talent, MVP calibers, final MVP cal- caliber guys. And the promise of the Nets has never come through except for, what, in seven games they played together? So, so uh-huh. do you think that Harden's hamstring, which is going to set him back, I believe, another month, they said, uh, Steve Nash said he's going to take it, you know, he's going to go right back up the mountain again, as I think he said it. And, um, on a scale from one to ten, how panicked are you about the Nets? Uh, I, it, it's up there with them. My panic level would be about an eight, mm-hmm. and I say that because you put a lot into the, the big three. You you've already lost Dinwiddie, which was a huge part, a piece of that puzzle. Um, if he was there, I'd be more relaxed about losing one of the other two. Maybe even though it wouldn't, still wouldn't guarantee you're gonna win. It I still be feeling a little bit better, mm-hmm. but. Um, you know, with him going down early in the season, uh, getting in, you know, these guys, you expected them to play more games together. And that's something we take for granted, the fact that they're just going to come out there and just start balling, which they did do early. But at the same time, to do it in the playoffs is still a whole nother thing. And like we talked about, he's, he's right. KD may not get back to that this year. Maybe, maybe not ever, but um, it's going to be tough to, for him to get back to form and get out there and do it night in, night out in the playoffs. It's going to be tough for James Harden with a hamstring. We saw what it happened with Chris Paul with a hamstring. And, yep. you know, these other guys with, with those uh, lower extremity injuries, that's, it's tough. Mm-hmm. It's tough to do what you do with, with those type of injuries, period, in basketball. Mm-hmm. So I, I just – I just it scares me because what do you do – what do you do from there? You know what I'm saying? Because it's like Harden – Harden's – 
like I've been saying, Harden is the point of attack. He's the one who mm-hmm. sets up. He's the one who sets up the pick and roll. He's the one who's setting that table for the Brooklyn Nets, and he's been displaying offensive genius, like I uh, said a couple of episodes ago. So, Ken, this offensive genius is obviously in jeopardy in terms of the ability to stay on the court. You think that in from one to ten. Where, how are you thinking about Harden's hamstring and the effect that it can have on the Brooklyn Nets uh, title hopes? Man, I have been all over the place with the Nets uh, this year um, because they've been all over the place this year. And now I'm back to a level of concern. First, it was the defense. First, they looked damn near unbeatable. Then it was the defense. Then it was, they got hardened, and then they looked unbeatable again. And then everybody started falling apart. So KD finally comes back. Then he gets hurt again. Then Harden gets hurt. Kyrie is all over the place. And Harden turns around, and he has a setback on his, when he's uh, approved for, you know, like drills and stuff. So now he's out indefinitely. That is a problem. and. When I think about Harden in his rocket years, his usage rate was extremely high, but I don't recall him really breaking down like this. Mm-hmm. So for him to have an injury, it's like, what in the hell is going on in, in Brooklyn? Why can't those guys stay healthy? What's up with that training staff? What in the world is going on there that is causing these guys to break down? And without Harden, it is going to be extremely difficult for them to win a playoff series with just Kyrie and a 75 to 70% KD. Mm-hmm. It just is. Um, because as, as you, you know, pointed out, he Harden is the engine that makes that whole thing go. And we've seen them struggle in the last couple of games without Harden and without KD. You know, so it's going to be interesting. And and they damn they don't have a coach. So, you know, so they don't even have a coach that could that could coach wins out of them. So you take what they're doing now and you try and you put this in the playoffs. It's not going to look good. It's not going to be good for that team and all of the promise that they had coming together. And um, and Katie's going to be a, a year older. And, and so we're harder. So we'll see, but yeah, man, I'm I'm worried, man. I'm worried. I agree. I think I'm I'm up to I'm up to a seven on my worry scale um, with Brooklyn, and it's been steadily climbing because I'm feeling very 2021 Chiefs about this team. Um, mm. Like I've been saying, no, there's no such thing as a sure thing in sports. It's just something about almost like sports karma, where if if the if the deck is stacked too much, too fast, too soon, then it's like almost like within just like the laws of sports that I'm sorry, you must get upset or you must not fulfill the the actual goal of what you're going for. Like like LeBron and D Way in 2011, it's like all right, too much, too fast, too soon. Y'all are destined to get it. Yeah, no, it didn't happen. You know, you you look at the Panthers. You know, um, Cam Newton, you're the MVP. You're you should easily beat this washed up. Oh, you lose. And it's like I think about the Chiefs. So this is the greatest quarterback have we ever seen. Same thing with this with this trio. We are getting these narratives that 
all they got to do is just put the ball on the court and they, they, they'll win. That's that's poppycock. And, and, and anybody who, you know, is, you know, an avid watcher of basketball can look at the fact that Kyrie, KD and James Harden have shared seven games on, on the floor together. Mm-hmm. And they're going to there's going to come a day when they're going to have to face competent coaches like a uh, Eric Spolster like a Doc Ray Rivers, who will put pressure on you at least and make your guys guard. So mm-hmm. if you're so if you're KD and you're James Harden, two phenomenal all-world players, if I'm if I'm one of those coaches, I'm I want to see if KD can sit in the chair for four for four games at least. I want to see if he can go seven games with us. I want to see mm-hmm. if if they can uh if we blitz James and make him guard Jimmy and we get Ola Debo back or we run Robinson off screens. Let's see if they're gonna run around all game. And I don't think that that it's right now, it's not a good bet to bet on that because history hasn't shown that that they can handle the wear and tear of this season right now. Mm-hmm. And like you said, doing it on, on back-to-back nights and in, in playoff intensity basketball, that's yeah. where the problems are going to come in. Exactly. And we already talked about the coaching part of it, aspect of it. Even though I, I feel like Steve Nash has a lot of help, can he make those adjustments that's necessary in playoff basketball, especially with people in and out of the lineup? Mm-hmm. And with things that are happening like it's happening, mm-hmm. how how um, engaged will Kyrie be? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's, mm-hmm. it's a lot of questions. That team got a lot of questions. A lot, got of, a lot questions. of talent, but just as many questions as they do talent. Mm-hmm. Wait, do we have any super chats? No, we, we waiting on a super chat. Y'all come on. Because <laughs> if not, let's take it to Charlotte. Um, let's start. I'll start with you, Sheldon. LaMelo coming back. Y'all are in the AFC. Charlotte Hornets have uh, fallen about four spots from fourth or fifth to the eighth. Uh, ever since LaMelo Ball had that hairline fracture, I believe, in his wrist. I think he broke mm-hmm. his wrist. And yeah, yeah. from and from the perspective of somebody rooting for Charlotte, obviously, how optimistic are you that LaMelo's return in about what 10, 10 days, they said. Yeah. How optimistic are you rooting for LaMelo to get you all back right within the stronghold of the East? Uh, secretly, quietly, I was kind of hoping he stayed out for the rest of the season. <laughs> uh, I felt like we needed another piece. With, well, I don't feel like it. I know we need another piece. And I felt like the draft would have helped to put the Robin to. To him or uh, the Batman even with him by making the lottery, you know, mm-hmm. getting into the lottery. But him coming back, I'm not saying that they're a shoe in, but they will at least make the uh, the play in. So in saying that, I, I think that that it's it's the land of purgatory where you you're good enough to make the playoffs, but you're not going to improve that much from the draft because you're too high. So that's where they're going to be this year, and, and I'm I'm scared of that. So. I think that him coming back does help the playoff push. I think it does. Any any the the bodies there are going to help, but Gordon Hayward coming back is going to help as well. But I I, I wish he would have just said out the rest of the year. Because right now be y'all play us in the first round. Yes, <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying. So I ain't I ain't excited about that. Kim, those those we, my two teams. Can we know <laughs> for real though? Can we know how much you love Lamelo? So we want to give you the floor and uh, let us, uh, you know how 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 confident are you? Scale from one to ten that Lamelo's return can either rocket them up the standings from eighth to a top five, or how confident are you in that? 
Well, it sounds to me like they need Gordon Hayward more than they need Melomelo right now. Uh, but um, my, I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing him come back, um, seeing him play again. Uh, but I know what this is all about. This is really all about Lamelo trying to win Rookie of the Year. You know, cool. that's why he's trying to come back. He's trying to get some more games, you know, on on the on the scorecard so he can win Rookie of the Year from Anthony Edwards. He ain't fooling me. He don't give a damn about the playoffs. <laughs> 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 but um, Man. but yeah, I think I think I think uh, you know, it it'll help. Um, you know, because he's a better player than Devontae Graham. And Devontae Graham, I like Devontae Graham actually a lot. I think he's doing a serviceable job as he's always done. But you know, Lamelo's just more talented, so he does he he's able to do more with you know his skill set, his energy, you know all that exuberance that he has on the court. Um, you know he he's not. It's also new and fun to him right now, so he don't mind chasing down rebounds or going out of bounds for. Uh, a ball missing it and then coming in when the guy's coming up court and poking it out from behind them when they think they can just dribble up the court. That's what he does. You know, that's what I call him. He's like, he just, he's a little guy that runs all over the court. You know, he just bothers people and, you know, that frustrates people, especially you're a grown ass man. You've been playing in the NBA for a while. You know, you, <laughs> that stuff gets on your nerves, man. This little kid running around, you just always bothering you. So, um, so yeah, so he, he kind of does those, those things uh, in addition to, you know, his uh his skill set. So I think he'll definitely be a plus for them. You get Hayward back as well, and then they'll back to be close to full strength. Because I think P.J. Washington hurt, right? So they, nah, he's they, back. They, he's playing. Yeah. He's coming off the bench now. It, um, oh, off the bench? Hayward. Yeah. Dang. Uh, wow. I, I mean, he, he's playing good, though. He The last game, he scored 27 points off the bench. Yeah, so yeah, I, yeah, I like him. I he does play good. But why, why did they bench him? And they didn't really bench him. I just think that, they, that he's they, they easing back, but it, it worked. You know, I guess it's kind of to help the other guys. It really didn't matter. He's still playing the majority of the minutes. He just didn't start. Hmm. I, don't, I don't know. That, I didn't go into, you know, looking up to see why they did it that way, but that's the way I looked at it. Like, let's get these but guys. But they've had they a series of injuries, right? They've been. Yeah. Was, yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought so. They, they starting Vernon Carey, who plays, he don't play even 10 minutes, I don't think, but he's starting the games. So the, the just lineup tweaking, I think it is. I like just that uh, coach James Barajo. I like him, man. Yeah, he's really. I, I think he has a pretty fundamental and sat solid system going for himself. Mm-hmm. A lot, a lot of things set up at the top of the key in terms of like um, just getting a lot of action off of back cuts, and um, he does a lot of high screen and roll. I like too um, with with like Lamelo. I think. I think that it can strengthen his case. Obviously, a lot of part of me thinks he already locked up rookie of the year, Shelton. Let me know if I'm tripping. But, I think so. Um, but and you know, you know, I, I love Anthony Edwards, but I think that he's done enough in terms of the highlights and in terms of just the the promise of what he showed. It looked greater than what other rookies were able to give in terms of like immediate impact, you know, the story, the narrative. Yeah. I I think they were going to give it to him. Yeah. Even if he didn't come back, it just, it's, it's sexier. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. like, it's, it's, it's almost like, it's almost like as much as everyone, you know, who, who liked little Mello's game was definitely the loudest about it. There was a lot of people who were very either negative or very wait and see about it. And it's almost like 
we can't believe that holy, holy like Lavar was right. <laughs> one right. of them, one one of them is actually good. You know what I mean? Like you know, but not saying Lonzo's not good, but you know that's kind of like almost the like the the narrative be behind it. Like damn, one of these kids is actually really good, and he's really special. Yeah. And um, my optimism from them being able to skyrocket from eighth seed into the top five, I would say I, if he can come back. They they could they could get to six and you know I think they could get to six I think that that's definitely a lock and I will say that my optimism on that would probably be like an eight I think that that about an eight they could get to the six seed they, and they and they could if you got you know it depends on how long Trey Young is going to be out I think that that'll um, hurt the Hawks mm-hmm. you got the Knicks in the mix Nick Knicks are playing great basketball but we know they're the Knicks the Knicks are the Knicks we'll talk about that later I'm sure for sure for sure so you know you got the Heat Boston playing pretty good, yeah. but they can catch some teams, and um, Miles Bridges did catch another body tonight. Mm, that Airbnb, boy, that that's something special, man. That's a special tandem going forward if it can work out the way it is, but you need those other pieces in there. Like I said, they're one player away, I think, from making a difference. Mm-hmm. So i like to see them get that player next year and come back, you know, with a fresh, fresh team and see how that looks. I think they'll be an exciting young team to, to watch. Absolutely. Down the stretch. We got another super chat uh, from Tracy G. Appreciate you, Tracy G. Adam Silva need to start finding these teams with all this resting they're doing for these players. <laughs> Speaking of Kawhi only. <laughs> <laughs> they they do have something in place where they can only rest. They can't rest like on television games or something like that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, mm-hmm. something because the Spurs used to do it all the time. They're the ones who started it. That's why Kawhi's like that. Um, the Spurs used to do it all the time. But what's crazy, though, is, and I don't know if y'all remember this, but the Spurs used to win those games anyway. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> they were the first ones to do it, which I thought was crazy. But once again, it worked for them. didn't work for TV. and It didn't work for the fans that paid that money for that ticket to go see them play, and all three of their players are sitting out. But it it, it always worked for pop. So you see it's, it now. Uh... Yeah, it's interesting because I don't know. I have to check, but I don't know if Kawhi really has missed a lot of games this year. I think he started out early missing games here and there. He hasn't missed a whole think, bunch, huh? I said he. I said he hasn't. He hasn't missed a whole bunch. You know. Yeah, yeah, much. which is really interesting. So Lou, I think that you know when you're talking about Lou uh, getting the coach of the year nod, I think that was one of the things that he did come in and change. He was like, "You you're gonna play unless you like legit hurt." Mm-hmm. Which he is now, um, so uh, we'll, we'll see. So I think Ty, that's Ty Lue's team. been one of the best offensive coaches in the NBA this year. Yeah, okay. they're not they're they're not giving him his credit, Sheldon. They're mm-hmm. not. And I was gonna say he has, but he has no chance to win Coach of the Year. Yeah, you know, sadly he doesn't. But I think that he should be in that race at least. He 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 should be a contestant. Like he should at least he, he, be a finalist. He should be. I think that the top two, we talked about it earlier, the top two are going to be Marty Williams and Quinn Snyder. Oh, I yeah, think that yeah. he, with, with those two, they, and they deserve it, deservedly so. Mm-hmm. They got two teams in the top two spots in, in the West that nobody expected to be there. Yeah, and sure. they've been consistent all season long. You can't, you, you know, you really can't argue with that. That's, mm-hmm. that's the only thing about it. Now, you know, he deserves credit mm-hmm. for the team playing well, but those guys, like I said, they've been lights out all year and they've been very consistent all year. Speaking of people who are hurt, you know, um, 
what is um Donovan Mitchell is going to be out too for for some time. I I forgot about him. He sprained his ankle and will miss multiple. Mm-hmm. So, and like I was telling y'all last night in the chat, that's crazy, man, because this is the most sprained ankle. Gordon Hayward has a sprained foot. This is the most feet injuries I've seen in my life. Like, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. The amount of players that are out with, with ankle and foot problems. Yeah, it's um, in the, it's a, it's a, it's just, a, it's a direct correlation to, you know, the schedule. It's a direct correlation, of, in, in my opinion, to the training and um, the lack of practice time. I think that, you know, you can only train with a certain amount of people. You have distance workouts. You have, um, you know, your own personal training sessions. But that's not the same as having the infrastructure of the professional sports world at your leisure, like, you know, in a regular world. Um, so I think that that's definitely the correlation that we're seeing now is guys from the bubble, like I've been saying, are getting soft tissue injuries because of this frequency of play. It's not natural to be having like five games in one week. That's not, that's not cool. But yeah, here we are and this has been normalized and we're mad at the workers. And it's like, all right, I guess. We'll be back after this quick break. And also a lot of those guys are definitely not also as hurt as they say they are. Some of those guys, because they, they, first of all, they deserve to get a rest, man. It's like 70 days of, of, of an off season. Some of those teams definitely told them, Hey, look, the minute you, Feel like you need just a little something, something, just make 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 it look good on the court. <laughs> Go down, stay down, and we'll get you some rest time. I, that's what a lot of these teams are telling their their, their stars in my yeah. opinion. Uh, where you want to go next, Q? Uh, let's just, I think that we can go to the Knicks, and then, then like, if we have time, then we'll go to the second topic. I think that we should, we, we should combine a little bit of speculation with a little bit of celebration. Um, the New York Knicks, <clears throat> Sheldon brought him up because uh, I think it's just a all around damn near holiday for Knicks fans right now. Every day is a holiday. Um, mm-hmm. The Knicks are currently the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference uh, under Mike Thibodeau. They've been able to surprise virtually the entire NBA world along with the Phoenix Suns and go from being a basement bottom dwelling quote unquote joke of the East, like I said, to being in that top five uh, seed. So will the Knicks blow it is the question people are asking. And I think the more apt question is, will the Knicks get in their own way? Because with, with the acquisitions of people like Leon Rose in the building, when you have, you know what I'm saying, competent uh, voices that have now taken hold in the smaller parts of the brass of the organization, there are people who are beginning to speculate, man, the Knicks can do something, not just in the playoffs, but their future and blah, 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 blah. So before we get to the weeds of the conversation, how do we feel, Sheldon, about the Knicks being in the fourth seed? Surprised, not surprised. And let's just, you know, yeah, let's just let's just let's just start there and then we'll trickle into some Zion talk. I think that if you're not if you say you're not surprised by this, then. You're the biggest liar on the planet. And I don't think I think Thibodeau was surprised by this. So I don't I don't think there's anybody that saw this coming. Um, I knew they had some good pieces, but there's no way I would have seen them being in the fourth seed and playing this well right now. How many games in a row have they won? Eight. 
eight games in a row. Yes, you know yes. what I'm saying? This, with with this roster, it's, it's just it's just remarkable, mm-hmm. and it's impressive. And I forgot about him when I was mentioning the coaches of the year too. Yeah, Thibodeau, honestly, number one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lee Rose and those guys, those executives, man, they deserve all the praise in the world. Mm-hmm. But this Julius Randle um, rebound and play reminds me of um, Zach Randolph when it clicked for him, which I had a story about that too. Yeah, it's a funny story about that. But when it clicked for him, it was a similar situation. How he always had the talent; it just clicked one day. It just hit him, and and he worked hard that summer and came back a different player. That's kind of how Julius Randle did. He he's always had the talent. He mm-hmm. had the talent at Kentucky. Mm-hmm. but now he's showing it. But to answer your question, mm-hmm. uh, well, let me tell you that story real quick. Yeah, Zach, uh, I used to work in Lenox Mall at Leeds. Zach Randolph was a customer of mine, him and Quin- Quintel Woods. I don't know if you remember Quintel Woods, mm-hmm. but they played with Portland at the time. They both were young players, goofing around, just playing around. And I talked to him one day, him and his boys came in there. We were just talking, you know, shop talk. Because mm-hmm. Alan Iverson used to sit in my lid shop in Lenox all the time, too. We just talk basketball and talk sports and just talk. And I was talking to Zach Randolph that day and his people. And I said to him, I said, you'd be one of the best players in the league if you quit playing so much and really did what you could do. I said, you, you, you bullshit too much. That's what I told him. I, I told him straight up. And his boys kind of looked at me like, who are you? And he did too. And I was like, maybe I said too much, but you know, I couldn't back down. And that year he had, I think he made the all-star team that year. But I read in the Slam magazine in an article where he said he was in the mall and a guy told him and he said what I said. And he said that was the difference in him. He said it just clicked that day like, you're right. I am that guy. And he said from that point forward, Zach Randolph was Zach Randolph. So I take credit for that. Thank you all. But um, seriously, back to that, to answer the question, I still think they're going to blow it. I do. (laughs) I just don't have faith in, in the pieces around. Julius Randle. I don't have faith in Barrett, even though I think he's a good player. He's having a good year. I don't have faith in the long, long term. Quickly, Nilakina, D Rose, you know what I mean? Norvell Pell, Nerlens Noel. It's a it's a very, it's very much a, a Thibodeau team. Ken, are you are you shocked at the resurgence or maybe the elevation, the heightened elevation of Julius Randle's game in the Knicks, or are you just kind of just riding the wave? <laughs> um, I've always been a big fan of Julius, but I turn I, I watched that game that he was six of eight from three or whatever, and he was just hitting shots from everywhere. I guess against the Hawks, and I'm like, who the hell is this? <laughs> you know, so he's always had the ability, but, you know, and that was just, you know, he just exploded that night. Um, so I think I'm just kind of really alone for the ride, man. Um, you know, when I look, I, I think that they're definitely early. I think they're taking advantage of a compressed schedule mm-hmm. of some other teams that are not as good that's below them. This winning streak has helped propel them, which was was great. Um, but I think they're what, like in the bottom tier of offenses, but top tier in defensive, something yeah. like that. So, you know, they're winning with defense, enough offense. RJ Barrett has been good or better than he was last year. So he's improved. So I think RJ and, and, and Randall are making a good team. Um, 
So it's it's a fun, interesting story. My concern is Thibodeau. And can he sustain this for the next couple of years? Is he going to run these boys into the ground as he usually does? He That's always comes out the point. gate hot, and then they just fall off in the in the seasons after. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I'm going to just jump off on that because that's a perfect point. Julius Randle leads the NBA in minutes. Oh, really? Julius Randle by far leads the NBA in minutes. Check his last 10 games of minutes. It's all like high 30s, early 40s. And I'm going to just be real with you. We have to be cautious of that because the guy that he has coming off his bench is a victim of that. Um, playing six man right now, the dude should be in MVP form. I'm not. I'm not gonna make no blame, even, even even though I might have just done that. But I think we all know that there's no reason why D Rose should have been in that game against the Sixers in the playoffs. Um, and I'm a Sixers fan. Um, so Thibodeau, I hope he learned his le- lesson, and I hope that he, you know, what I'm saying, is able to manage his minutes a little bit more. Because that brings me to the larger picture here with the Knicks. Obviously, we want to give congratulations to this um, you know, great play that they're doing. I think they're like 33 and 26 or something. Um, and obviously, this is, you know, a cause for commending a great coaching staff and commending the elevation of, like I've been saying, Julius Randle. But another uh another big subplot here is can the Knicks sustain this level of success over the next four years as a certain somebody in New Orleans who recently made comments about loving to play in New York will either become a free agent or has the ability to to turn down the uh, tender from their team to extend their contract. And that person is Zion Williamson. Mm. Zion was a, was a, projected to be obviously on the Knicks radar prior to the ping pong balls that were selected to um, organize the draft order of Zion's draft. And many people were expecting the Knicks to be able to, you know, build around Zion, but instead they not settle for RJ Barrett, but they ended up landing on RJ Barrett. In 2023, fellas, are we thinking that Zion is even looking at the Knicks way when the Pelicans send that the qualifying offer over, do you think that there is a, a, a future for Zion to be in the Mecca of basketball as, as, as he puts, I'll start with Kim first. Is there a chance? I think so. Especially if RJ is, is there and if they have a good relationship or have maintained a relationship from college, it depends a lot on what Thibodeau does for the remaining years of his contract, if this is uh, more than just a COVID playoff run or post-COVID NBA season playoff run, if how the Pelicans treat him um, with Stan Van Gundy and their relationship, their playoff success, the moves they put around him, plus it's the Mecca. Like, not a lot of people have really wanted to go there. But if you're a Zion, you could look in New York and be like, hey, I could go there and bring glory back to this place. You know, you box office endorsements and everything go up. So it would be a huge opportunity for him to go play in New York. 
So it's going to be interesting to watch that. I feel like these sorts of conversations happen with these stars over and over again when it comes to the Knicks. Mm -hmm. We're always trying to put somebody there. But I think this is one where it's actually a true possibility. So if quickly Barrett, Tobin, even though we still don't know where the hell he is, no. if those guys develop and they have a nice young core, mm -hmm. if I'm Zion, I might, I might want to go there if they can afford to keep everybody. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about them. But so what, is, so what about you in terms of New York? You think Zion got his eyes over there to see what, if they play their cards right? I, I he's going somewhere. I I wouldn't bet on going to New York necessarily, but he's not going to stay in New Orleans. That, mm -hmm. That's that's not in his his plans. Zion is once again. We talked about it earlier. He is on a trajectory to be, to be the biggest star in the game at some point, and there's no way he's going to be in a small market being the biggest star. He's going to go towards the flashing lights. He's going to either be in New York. He's going to be he's going to be one of the coasts. I, I would assume that's where he's gonna, you know, reside. One of the coasts. He may, he may take over in LA after LeBron is gone. You know what I'm saying? But he's he's going somewhere. He's not gonna be a, a New Orleans Pelican mm -hmm. retiring there. He's not gonna retire there. There's mm -hmm. no way. Mm -hmm. New York has just as much a chance. I wouldn't think he'd want to be with RJ anymore. I ain't think he want to be in Duke with RJ though. So <laughs> <laughs> to say that anyway, that's gonna keep him from going. Hopefully, RJ will be gone by the time he get there. If that's where you're going, but um, yeah, he he getting up out of there, and I think New York will probably be second or third on his list. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think it'll be either Lakers or the Clippers or the Knicks. One I of those feel, I can I can feel that. I can also feel sleeper a sleeper pick for that would be Boston, um, because I, I think that I think that we'll we'll get to a point where one of those guys will want to. By the way, Tatum is also a Jordan Brand athlete. So I think that they would want to pair two guys like that together. Big, uh, big city. Um, New York is an option. Miami obviously is an option. You know, Pat Riley ain't going to retire until he get that next ring. Um, you got, like you said, the both L.A.'s. The, just strictly for the Knicks fans, I want to be able to give y'all a semblance of hope. I think that there is a real chance. I think right now, if I had to put it on like a one to ten, just that seems to be the theme of the show. Um, I would feel right now, I would feel a strong six right now. And that's the strongest that I've felt about a star being even sympathetic to the Knicks in so long. Because when LeBron was doing his whole, yo, man, this is the greatest city in the world. That, you know, like what LeBron did with his tweet, it's all performative. You know what I mean? Like he's a, he's a, he's an entertainer. He's, you know, he's a great mm -hmm. entertainer. A lot of stars do that because they want to be endearing to the New York Post, the New York media, Wall Street Journal, all these different, you know what I'm saying, multimedia conglomerates in New York City. And if you're the hugest star or you're a big star, you you want that market to be friendly to you. So, of course, LeBron was in 2010 saying that. With Zion, though, I, I sense a little bit of just a hunch. I sense a little bit more sincerity in his desire to want to get out of not just New Orleans, but I think he does like the garden. I think that he talked about this when he played at Duke. And if the Knicks can get another complimentary star before, and if they can sustain that, 
I think Zion does have a real chance, and he will take a look at uh, New 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 York City. Certainly. Mm-hmm. I, um, the only reason I think Boston doesn't have, like I said, I I think it's we're thinking about him as opposed to like a LeBron player. Mm-hmm. I think Zion is one who will be guided more so. I think LeBron has people around him, but a lot of his decisions are his, similar to how Kobe is. A lot of Kobe's decisions were his decisions. Yeah. A lot of LeBron's decisions were his decisions. Mm-hmm. Jordan's decisions were his own. Zion is going to be guided. Zion is always going to have people around him helping him make moves and decisions. He he wouldn't care where he played, I don't think, to be honest, if, you, if you're taking him. Mm-hmm. But his advisors are going to put him in a position to be successful. I mean, well, you know, he just got a signature shoe, you know, Ken. And I mean, if I'm tripping here, but when you get a signature shoe and you get put in, you know, commercials and there's probably going movies lined up that he'll make cameos in coming up soon. When you're a guy like that, your agent and people around you, like like Sheldon is astutely saying, um, they're going to be the ones who want to mold your image and they need an environment that's going to be able to accentuate that. So it is like the two coasts. It, it, it is those big media conglomerate cities where you can take a helicopter to a studio and then go do a commercial here and then go, you know, shoot for your billboard over here. And then you want people to see you. Right. I think I, th- I really do believe that if New York can just play their cards right, don't get too antsy. If this mm-hmm. playoff run doesn't work out, don't go pay $70 million for Andre Drummond. You know what I mean? Play play your cars right. And you might be actually able to lure a guy there to actually be your star. And I could see Zion putting on that orange. That that would be kind of dope, honestly. Because as much as you know, people hate the Knicks fans, as, as a Sixers fan, I don't hate the Knicks, man. I, I really think the NBA is super fun when the Lakers and Knicks are good. Yeah, I mean, he's even commented that he likes playing in the Mecca. But LeBron said the same thing too. So, mm-hmm. you know, we saw he went he went to uh, you know to L.A. So it 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 you know it don't really mean much what they say. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, if if you know, based on those comments, they could start. I think you you you're spot on, man. What you said, play it cool. Mm-hmm. Just play it cool. And 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 let the situation, you know, be what it is. Exactly. Thirsty. Because they were too thirsty for Katie and all these guys, man. Just play it cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, sometimes when 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 the cute girl gives you her number, you don't want to go home immediately and be like, oh my goodness, thank you so much. Like that. Like, that's, <laughs> like, that's a little wild. Give me, give, me, give, me, give, me, give me seven days, brother. Seven days. You know what I mean? And man, you got them seven days, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, well, certain, well, certain players got it in certain ways, but you know, when you the Knicks and you, you know, what I'm saying the prom nerd, you can't really be, you know, what I'm saying waiting on your on, on your chance. You got to go get it. So we gonna see, man. Um, Ken, I wanted to lead in with the Pelicans one. If you wanted to stop there on that rebuild, we we and we, got, we got a couple super chats. I gotta get. I'm sorry for sure. No, you good. Got a super chat from Jan Jones. That's my mom, y'all. Hey, mom. Uh, does the time off of the superstars not playing and on IR hurt Brooklyn more than the Lakers? Or will they be just as tough come playoff time? I think I missed this way earlier. 
Oh, she does, probably wasn't listening. Does a time off hurt um Brooklyn more than the Lakers? Yes, it does. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It hurts Brooklyn more than the Lakers because the Lakers have a year under their belt playing together already. Not only did they play together before they won a championship, so they're familiar with each other, and it's going to be easier for them to mold back together. Plus, they were hurt earlier. So when they get back, you know, they'll get fresher quicker. Mm-hmm. So that's why. Continuity, man. Yeah. And that's that's what I feel about that. Thank you, Mama. Mm-hmm. And uh, the next one was from Tigolo Kane. Uh, Brad oh, Tigolo, man. What's happening? Uh, Brad Stevens was offered seven for seventy million from IU. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. He should have went. He should have wow. took that. Yeah, he should have took that money and ran. Yeah. I I don't know how he didn't take. I don't know how he did. Was oh, was there a question attached to it, or he or he just wanted to tell us that he almost got seventy? I th- I think he was just talking about Brad Stevens. Word. Yeah. Um. As we all know, how, we know how Ken feels about Brad Stevens. <laughs> so he should have he should have took that money and ran, bro, because he ain't gonna get seventy million in his time left in uh, Boston. He's not gonna make it. And now with Kimba shooting like that, Mm-mm. Um, thank you, Kimba. For I mean, thank you, Boston, for taking Kimba off our hands. That was good. Time. She ain't gotta do all that. <laughs> I, I know it was time. You don't gotta do that to them. You don't. <laughs> You don't got to do it to Kimba like like that. I knew it was time. And, and Charlotte caught it for signing mm-hmm. uh, Scary Terry. I mean, yeah, Terry Rozier at the time. And they were like, that was a dumb trade. I was like, it wasn't a trade, first I, of all. I didn't think it was a bad move. I th- it I wasn't. It was solid. It wasn't because he was a solid player who who played well. So, I mean, yeah, you paid for it. You you, you have to overpay um, to build sometimes, you know, unless you already got it. The teams that don't have to play pay are the ones that have history and all this, you know, mm. build up stuff. So because valuation, man, Vi- mm. valuation, valuation matures over, over, over time. So like a contract mm. of paying Terry Rozier, you know what I'm saying? If I, if I pay Terry Rozier, you know what I'm saying? $10, you know what I mean? Then in like, in like a year when somebody needs, you know, 10, a $10 player, you know what I mean? Then it's like, right. It's it's it looks better because it's aged and I can actually trade assets for that and get more back from my buck. You know, I mean the same thing here with the the million dollar contracts that he has. It looks good now. On if you if you wanted to package him in a deal to get a guy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it it it'll it'll work itself out for sure. Do we do do we have any more super chats? I think that was the last one. For sure. Yes, rest, uh, Ken, rest in peace, Ter- Terrence Clark. I, I meant to say that earlier too. The, the Kentucky product. I don't, I don't know what happened. They they just said he he worked out in L.A. today and died on the way to the hospital. They didn't say what happened between the time. So somebody know, please say. That's actually tragic. Prayers to the family and recipe shock G as well. Um, yes, I was gonna say that too. For real though, always yeah. when the underground want to come around. Um, so, final topic for tonight. We're gonna get into a quick little deep dive on. Let's start with just two teams tonight because I have a whole bunch that week we can go back through over the weeks. We're gonna start with the Pelicans and we're gonna start with the Minnesota Timberwolves tonight. And we're gonna just assess these teams, our opinions on a couple of things in terms of just coaching, 
unlocking Zion's potential. Um, what is the issue? Who is Stan Van Gundy? What is the issue in Minnesota? Anthony Edwards ceiling, things of that nature. Um, you all love to go in on Anthony Edwards in the chat. So I think that we should start actually with Minnesota. So Minnesota Timberwolves are obviously not good right now. Minnesota Timberwolves have not been good for a long time. I don't have to get into specifics. But Anthony Edwards has been a bright spot in the development of this quote-unquote rebuild, if you can call it that at this point. I'm pretty sure Carl Anthony Towns would not call it a rebuild. Um, where are we? Where do we stand with Minnesota? And is Anthony Edwards the answer, or will obscurity continue to plague Minnesota? I'll start with Sheldon. I think that he could be the answer. I just I I think that there needs to be somebody else coaching him, somebody else directing him. I think, um, yeah, like you said, we go at it in the chat by Anthony Edwards always. I'm hard on Edwards and I'm hard on him because I do see the potential. I know he has the potential to be great. I just don't think that he's being utilized properly and he doesn't have the man mindset to do it himself. He needs somebody to come in and kind of guide him and get him where he needs to be. Uh, it can happen in Milwaukee. I mean, in Minnesota, I'm sorry. But it would take a new regime to get it done because he's not getting what he needs at this point. No, Nobody on that team here. Because, like I said, I watched that game the other night, and Cat started out hot. And then next thing you know, they went away from him. They started, you know, doing all this one-on-one stuff that they do all the time. And they got behind by 20. Next thing you know, they're down by 30. And it's over. Mm-hmm. So I, I just I, I think that they can they can build around him. He's definitely a building block, mm-hmm. but he's gonna need a good coach and he's gonna need to be surrounded by some cast, a cast of characters that A will help him get better and B will hold him accountable. Because mm-hmm. right now he got the green light that ain't nobody that's really helping him from what I see. So I yeah, I don't I don't like it. I don't like how it looks. Ken, is A E the Edward? Uh, is A E the answer? <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I think he's going to be good. Um, you know, I think he's probably going to be more of a scorer than you know an all-around guy. Um, I don't. I think he could be the answer, mm-hmm. but I think the Timberwolves will prevent him from being the answer. Ooh. The same way they well. Carl Anthony Towns had a lot to do with it. If you listen to Jimmy Butler, <laughs> but, but you know, not having the toughness and a lot of those players not having that toughness, toughness when he was there, he kind of basically called them all soft. Um, but yeah, I mean, when, when you open, you said they've been horrible for years. They just don't know how to build a team. So it's, it's potentially is it's extremely possible that they could go there. They got one and they wouldn't know how to build around them. So you got a two, you got a five, you know, now you got to build those pieces and decide if those are going to be your guys. And you also got to plan for the advent that Carl Anthony Towns lead. And then you're going to leave that all on uh, Anthony Edwards. And, you know, for a guy that's 19, that's that's a lot for him to be like the face of the franchise. And more importantly, they haven't even really had a coach all the year. So, there are so many things 
that are wrong with the Timberwolves just structurally mm-hmm. that he's really he he's really in a bad spot. And it's really going to be something to watch to see what they do with him. Can they get a guy to come in and, and you know, really, you know, help him pick the right spots? Will he put forth the efforts to pick the right pot spots and learn how to score more efficiently in the league? You know, all those things that come with growth and over time. And, and we'll see. But, um, but I'm more concerned about the Timberwolves than I am about Anthony Edwards. That's a fact. And I think that we're seeing that from, like we all said, the coaching, because I think Flip Saunders passed away and then his son came in and he won his first couple games, I believe. And everyone was like, oh, my goodness, they finally found something. And um, that was when they had Wiggins, I believe. And then, and then they traded Wiggins for D'Angelo Russell. Carl Anthony Towns has wasted about five, five years now being there four or five years now. Mm-hmm. Um and now you have Anthony Edwards, who looks like this really raw. Like Anthony Edwards, I think he just turned nineteen. I think he just turned nineteen. If if he's not nineteen, I'm pretty sure he's eighteen. And for him to be that young with that raw of athleticism, I can tell already that he just needs about two, three years to get right. He just needs to have a coach. And I'm gonna throw a name out here, like a guy like a Lloyd Pierce. I believe is perfect mm-hmm. for Minnesota. I think just being able to install fundamental defensive techniques and just being able to comprehend just basic offensive sets. He's really good at that. He was able to do that in Atlanta and he obviously was, uh, you know, not in over his head, but I think he just reached his conclusion with that team because they needed to take a new step. Uh, Minnesota's rebuild to me has been nothing short of, of a, not abysmal because you still got Cat, you still got Anthony Edwards out of it. But for them to have Zach Levine, Wiggins, and all these pre- all these different picks, the Chris Dunn's, like all of the, all mm-hmm. of it, all of it has just been reach after reach, misstep after misstep. And I think we're at, we are at the point now where we're in the final two, three years of Colin Anthony Towns being a Minnesota Timberwolf. So I'll pose another question and like we'll move on uh, to the Pelicans. But do we believe that the Timberwolves is it a talent on the floor issue with them? Is it a combination of talent on the floor with coaching? Or is it an entire from the top down, there is an issue with ownership. I think now A-Rod is the owner. That's I don't know how what that's gonna do. But is it top down? You know, it's one of those three. I'm I have my own opinions. But Ken, what do you think? I think it's negligence from the organization, from ownership. So, you know, I'll I'll start with with them first. I think that they haven't shown the amount of care that they needed to show with this team. We we heard the stories of of Sterling and how he really didn't even care. Outside of the racism, we can throw that. Everybody know that. But in addition to that, he didn't give a damn if this team won or not. He like The stories that I heard after that, he was not interested in even putting a winning product on the field. So that could very well be going on in Minnesota as well. And, you know, Flip Saunders was one of the best things that happened. But I think it's possible that when was the last time they were good? When when KG was there? Like, legit, like, 
good. I, it feels like KG. I'm trying to think. It's KG, man. Because Kevin so, Love era was terrible. Yeah, so maybe they just they just don't care. And maybe they felt burnt by KG and didn't want to invest in, in putting together a product only to see him leave. But KG was dedicated. And he left because I think he felt that they weren't really invested in him. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's just I think it's just negligence. Mm-hmm. If you ask me, they don't mm-hmm. care. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I, I, it's, that that team is just bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to diagnose them, man. It's just you know, it it's is. so many variables. It's just a bad. It's just a, a bad situation. And like you say, they haven't been. They have been good since Flip Saunders and since since. You had those guys there. That Jimmy Butler era could have went a lot better than it did. It probably should have went a lot better than it did. But once again, mismanagement can do that. And it starts at the top. So un- un- until certain changes are made, um, that franchise is just washed. I mean, mm-hmm. my my hope would be that somebody would buy the team out and they move back to Seattle or something. Maybe move to Seattle or something like that. That thing that could happen to that organization, but mm-hmm. I, I just don't see it. Mm-hmm. I, see I see it. that man. It's it's you know I want Minnesota to be good because I actually I, number one I like their uniforms. I like the Prince colors. Those are pretty dope. Ain't gonna yeah. But y'all disgracing Prince Rogers and Nelson, man, wearing those mm-hmm. and getting blown out by like fifty. Like you know what I mean? It's just it's just. <laughs> right. it's, not okay. People look at the Timberwolves as like damn near is 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 damn near not 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 a game off. But people look look at that like okay, we can relax now. We can, we playing Timberwolves tonight, and that should not be the the like the sentiment around your team for the last four years. You right. swing on Jimmy Butler, you know you you swing and you miss on Jimmy Butler because, in my opinion, people will villainize Jimmy Butler superstar uh to you know be like a guy <laughs> who you know went in there and just destroyed everyone's confidence when the fact of the matter is that it's pretty clear that towns and wiggins just have a certain mentality about the game and about life that butler just did not and the fatal mistake that minnesota and let me know if i'm tripping chat shout out to the chat the move that messed them up was they chose wiggins over levine if they had kept Levine yep. and put Wiggins in the deal for Butler, yeah. I think they're in a totally different position now. Right. Am I tripping here, y'all? You, you think you think that Levine in Chicago, obviously he may not have gotten to that level yet um, because of what being in Chicago forced him to elevate you know, as his own guy, maybe he wouldn't be that guy under Towns, but a part of me thinks that Levine would fit beautifully. This Levine would fit beautifully next to Carl Anthony Towns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I don't think I think that we would still have the same results. Yeah. So that's the thing, because you, you weren't on Tuesday, but you know, I was questioning Levine. I was like, mm-hmm. Levine is in Chicago, and mm-hmm. he hadn't really improved much there. And they have a lot of dysfunction going on in Chicago, too. We pointed to the coach, multiple coaches that he didn't like or get along with. The organization has been lackluster and can't draft talent. You know, they traded Vucevic and, you know, he's hurt now. And, you know, um, Billy Donovan. Yeah, eventually come back. So, you know, he's kind of been in a, in a similar situation. 
and he hasn't made Chicago any better. So I think it will be the same results, honestly. Feel that I can feel that. Sheldon, you you agree? Disagree? Yeah, I think that Zach, Zach Levine. If if the trade hadn't happened, I don't think Zach Levine would be is playing as well as he's playing individually. I can't say he's not affecting the wins and losses as much as you think, but I don't think he would have been the same Zach Levine that he was in Chicago if he had stayed in Minnesota. I don't think he ever would have developed into that being under that regime. I just don't think so. Right. And But I, I agree with you. I still would have gotten rid of Wiggins instead of him. Because right. maybe bringing in Jimmy Butler with him, it would have been a better fit. Maybe he could have learned more from Jimmy. Mm-hmm. And and who knows? It, it may have worked out. Absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, yeah, that that Wiggins cat, that that type of personality and it just yeah. didn't well, especially with a Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Jimmy's they're, they're very nice guys, man. They're very nice, personable people. And Jimmy is nice and personable himself, but he also got that like he a dog. It's go time. Like, all right, yeah. so we had to run. Let's run like wild dogs. Let's like get it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. With you know, with Wiggins, he's gonna you know he's gonna look good when he has his nights. Towns, yeah. whenever he wants to, he can. Jimmy, he always wants to. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's the difference. But mm-hmm. there's not anything else we can get on to the last team like we were talking about. We got a we got a super chat from Tigolo Kane. Appreciate you again Shout as always. Tigolo. Great show tonight, guys. Hey, we appreciate that, man. We appreciate it. Um, thank y'all because y'all For y'all sure. make great uh, joining us. So we appreciate that. Super chats all help. Um, y'all dope for that, man. I appreciate each and every one of you too. Absolutely. Shout out to the chat once again. Uh, we have any more show, or is that just the only one? I think that was the last one. Cool. That cool. I see. So that was the last one so far. Dope. Dope. So this takes us to our last topic uh, of tonight, unless anyone else has any uh, after closing thoughts after this. Um, But we're going to talk about the Pelicans and and their rebuild just really quickly, because there is a point of order, I think, that needs to be established is when you're a superstar in the NBA and when you're a small market team like we were alluding to with New York. Obviously, with the whole Zion situation, we're going to talk about that a little bit more in depth. The Pelicans have about three years to get right. <clears throat> they have about really two. If I'm being real with you, they got about 12 months to get right. Yeah. But, but really, they have a two-year max window for them to put together a good team to not just keep Zion Williamson, but to keep Brandon Ingram, to, to keep all these other guys who are going to be nearing the end of their deals uh, once this is up. And as we've seen with the hiring of Stan Van Gundy, we've seen the hiring of David Griffin. We've, we've, we've seen the exiting of a superstar in a lot of pe- people's minds and Anthony Davis. Um, and over the last couple of months, last couple of days, the Pelicans have blown game after game after game. The defense mm. is, is struggling. The offense at times looks mighty. So, I'm gonna start. The, I'm, I'm gonna start it right here. Scale from one to ten. Where are we panicking? Ten being the most, one being yo. It's all good with the Pelicans. Um, I think it's. I, I think they're in trouble. Mm. 
I think they're in trouble. And um, they went backwards. They didn't go. They didn't take a step forward. What JJ Reddick has to say about that team or the organization, the upper management should be concerning, and people should pay attention. Um, the Stan Van Gundy hire was backwards and has been a disaster. And um, and then they went through this year talking about getting rid of Lonzo, trading him because they decided or Stan decided to move Zion to play more point. Um, when all of us, everybody sees that Lonzo, B.I. and Zion are a great core. Like they damn near seem like they fit perfectly. You couldn't ask for something better. And they had like Lonzo and, and, and Zion had instant chemistry. And you want to get rid of that? You want to mess with that? Because what money? Or you have a different idea in mind for Zion in terms of his role on the court? Nah, man, that's 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 not good. So now they are going to have to try or start over and and figure out what they're going to do. If, if Zion is the move, how are you going to build around him? And will B.I. be happy about that, being second fiddle when he was top dog before Zion got there? I think they are in trouble. David Griffin, it appears, has made some questionable hiring decisions that may set them back a couple of years. And then by the time Zion's off for renewal, it'll be too late. Sheldon. This team is, is, is troubling to me. And like I said, it, for me, it's like about a nine. And the reason why is a, a lot of the reasons why I can't say it. I think same, similar to Minnesota. Well, I can't compare to Minnesota because they got a lot more talent than Minnesota does, obviously. But they jump out to big leads. What, what worries me about this team is that they'll jump out to a huge lead and lose it. And they do that so often, it's, it's not even funny. But you're in that place of no man's land because you got a lot of young talent that you could build around and build up. Or you can blow it up and start over with Zion. But I think it's too late to try to blow it up and start over with him because by the time you develop the new people, he's getting up out of there. So their best bet, in my, like I said, in my opinion, is to try to keep this roster together, maybe add a piece, you know, in free agency, get somebody to come play with them if you can. Uh, but blowing it up and starting over, that'd be a bad look anyway. Because like I said, once that contract is up, this guy is out of there. And blowing it up is another year you got to wait for development. And they don't have a year. They don't. And, and, and that's the dilemma of being a small market team with a star, like I'm saying is a lot of people will look, oh, it's so unfair that, you know, the big market teams can just poach these guys. Well, you know what? The small market teams have to put in an effort. The small market teams actually have to not shoot themselves in the foot by hiring redundant pieces that take away the best qualities of your stars, of your young talent. And in my in my estimation, the, the New Orleans Pelicans had dug their grave this offseason, in, in, in my opinion, like this is no longer I'm on a full on 10. I, I believe that we've already hit, you know, DEFCON one where it's very clear that Stephen Adams, Eric Bledsoe, these just innocuous moves 
these just you know incoherent moves that David Griffin is your GM. Like David Griffin, you know, we all know that LeBron was orchestrating a lot of that in Cleveland. You know, and you know, he David Griffin gets a lot of credit for being a recipient of the NBA feeling sorry for Cleveland um when LeBron left. We we get a lot of that. And Stan Van Gundy is a dinosaur. He's a fossil of a coach in his philosophy and his demeanor and the way that he talks to the players, just from what JJ Redick, it holds weight when you're, when you're, uh, when your tenured veteran comes in and is making snide remarks and jokes, tongue in cheek, but not really ha ha tongue in cheek about your, your coach and how much he doesn't want to be there and how he can't wait to do suicides. Like it's a old, you know what I mean? 1990s practice. And yo, these are, this is a new generation. So Stan Van Gundy, we don't even know at this point what his his purpose is, because obviously these guys have tuned him out. Do you all agree from the way that, that they have lost a couple games that it's indicative of a coach who's lost the team's ear because they keep blowing leads? Ken, do you think that Stan Van Gundy has lost the team's ear as of late? You know, I, I, at some point, you get tired of hearing the same old shit over and over again. And, you know, it was something, I can't remember exactly what he said, but I was just looking at the headline and and just his comments, man. Like, this is a completely different generation. And the way they respond to criticism and feedback is just different. Their their mindset is different. Skids are raised different. So you can't always continue to belittle them or talk about them, talk to them in a demeaning way. And it seems like he was just really blaming them more than himself. Exactly. You know, and, and, and I think you're referring to the comment where he's like, uh, he, he's saying this, you know, no one had to make a play. No one had to be special tonight. All we yep. had to do was play defense. Yep. 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 It was that. Nobody want to hear that, man. Especially if, <laughs> if you think you're supposed to be better than what your record is. and you get rid of a guy that I think they all liked. I think they like Reddick. So yeah, there's some there's some issues going on in in New Orleans, and I saw that early. That's a and it's just manifested now. So, and that's Stan Van Gundy, and that that's what I was gonna say. And it's a shame that it's that way. That that was a horrible hire, in my opinion. And like I said on uh, Tuesday show, you got all these people, all these different people you could have chose from. You had all these other people that would have been glad to come there and work with Zion and coach Zion. And you could have gotten somebody better, cheaper. And you chose Stan. I just don't understand it. And, and you're going to blow some of the best years of this young man's life. You know what I'm saying? And waste all that talent that they have on that team. Cause with the right leadership, you can make some moves. There's no reason these guys shouldn't be in play. Yet. There's, there's no reason. Right. All these guys. And you go get Stan Van Gundy. Yeah. I, I just, to me, like, the, like that's just such a reach. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and Ken, that's such a great point because these kids nowadays are exactly, they're, they're, they are so much, I believe, in tune with who they are a lot of, a lot of times mm-hmm. when it comes to, athletic, you know, the athletic circle. They know what they need to do to motivate themselves. What they need is a person who is malleable to not just their personality, 
but somebody who is either going to put them on to new knowledge that, mm-hmm. that, that enhances who they already think they're going to be or who they are, or they need a person to shepherd them in a way that is like very paternal. And it's one of those two. You, I think that you either got to be the pop or you got to be like a Nick Nurse where, yo, you 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 are either just so innovative and so mm-hmm. relatable that people rock with you or your Popovich where, yo, you got this sage wisdom and advice and the way that you relate to us. It may not be on the level, but we know that it's coming from a place of this has to make sense because look at what I produced. What has Stan Van Gundy done? Nothing but get Orlando to the finals and get blown out by the Lakers. That's it. And they got there off off, by, uh, off a bad coaching by the Cavs. <laughs> and I'm saying, Stan Van Gundy, who are you? That's the question that I have is, who is Stan Van Gundy at this point? No, nobody. No, exactly. <laughs> and, and, and this is, and this is, and this is why I don't have any qualms with people who are like, Yo, the big market teams, they are just the recipients of the fact that the small markets make bad mistakes. And that's a fact a lot of the, the time. It's not just about the like the big markets bullying the smaller market teams. OKC is about to be up for the next decade if Sam Presley plays cards right. And I think he will. But guys like you see in New Orleans, the redundancy and just the lack of vision and foresight from your organization can have just overwhelming effects. And we've seen that with AD requesting his trade. They wasted six, seven years Mm -hmm. of his life in that city to do what? To go get, you know what I'm saying, to beat the Portland Trailblazers one time? A lot of guys then did did, did that in the playoffs. That's 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 not anything of real value to a guy like Zion when you're like, what are you going to put around me? What can you possibly even go go do, you all? Like, when it comes to Bradley Bill, yeah, you might be able to trade a couple pieces for Bradley Bill, but is Bradley Bill going to want to stay? We don't know that, and that's the issue. So I'm going to – I'm I'm taking it up to a nine, man. It's just – it's just – it's very, very concerning, and they have about 12 months to get this right. Otherwise, the Knicks, all they got to do, like, I, like we said, play it cool. Get some, you know what I'm saying, free agents that, you know what I'm saying, will lure people to want to complete the team. Randall keeps elevating. Maybe maybe they get lucky on, you know what I'm saying, a couple, you know, uh, 10-day guys or G League dudes or whatever. And you just got to run it like that because right now New Orleans is in a position of pure weakness. And we're going to see this offseason when uh, guys tenure Alonzo to a restricted free agent sheet if they actually want to keep him or are they going to let him go? And what does that do to Zion? If that's one of your best friends on the team and now he's gone, why would I want to stay even more now? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I digress. Yep. No, that's real. Any super chats? Because that's pretty much the show you, for you, this week. You had one other thing on there that, that I did want to touch. Um, you you mentioned the play-in games, mm-hmm. and I saw where a lot of players are having disdain about the play-in games. What are y'all's feelings and thoughts on the play-in uh, games, and will it be something that the league will continue, and will it work? It's for profit, I, I like it. It's cool, though. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I like it, man. Um, I think it brings uh, – 
something different to the to the um to the playoffs, something excitable. I, I like that they're experimenting with with different formats. I I, I don't know if the only thing that I, I kind of hesitate on is the fact that it's like tent seeds. Like that's really, yeah. really you know, so that kind of impacts the quality of really? the you know, product that you may see on, on the field. So I think, um, you know, they'll have to kind of figure out what, what's a good way to kind of make that work. So uh, we'll get teams that are deserving to be in, in and not just in for the, for the sake of being in. So I, that's it. I agree with that. And what I was thinking was instead of having, you know, a B10, you just have the eight, nine seed play. And that way, it's that this is for that final spot. It's like a wild card game almost. Eight and nine is it. You don't have to go to ten. You just need the the plan for that last playoff spot. You got one more shot to fight for it. And if you can knock out eight in your nine, then you deserve to be there. So I'd rather have that. I'd rather have that than than have the ten place team because I think it would lessen your eagerness to play well in the regular season when you feel like, well, I'm in anyway. You know what I'm saying? Or I, I could be wrong on that, and it could make it more like I need to get to the top six, so I have to worry about the play in. So it, it just depends, but I rather I rather see it, like I said, with nine teams and those last two teams just fight it out. Hmm. For sure, for sure. Shout out in the chat. Shout out Aldrin. Shout out Tigolo. Uh, shout out Peter. Shout out Marshmallow. Uh. Shout out to the usuals, man. Y'all always coming through, TJ. Shout out to the peoples who come through. Always show love. It's much appreciated. Always yes. appreciate spending the uh, afternoons, whatever time zone you're, you're, you're in. I know that we are a lot of people's late night driving stuff. If you're doing DoorDash, doing Uber, I want to give a shout out to those people in that type of work. To the nurses, people who are in the late offices, put their headphones in and can't show that they're on their phone. We respect you. Appreciate you for tapping in with us. Appreciate that for sure. And if you are in the chat, please do me a favor, man. Y'all put a check up there. Well, first off, uh, like this like this episode. Subscribe if you have not. But do us a favor, man. Y'all help us to grow. I say it all the time. The Super Chats are amazing. They always help. Also, word of mouth is another way we can grow. The bigger we get, the bigger you get and the more you can help us and the more we can help you and come with more content. So do us a favor, man. Tell somebody, man. Have somebody come on with you. Uh, shoot it out to your friends, man, if you get a chance, man. I appreciate the support that you give us all, but with you, we can grow. So please do that for us, man. If y'all get a chance, man, and that's that's our real ones, our day ones. Appreciate sure. you and bring more people into us. So. Sure. Ken, you got any closing thoughts for us, man? Um, no, no, actually, yeah, this was a great show. I appreciate everybody showing up. Um, you know, yeah, I, uh, sorry, I kind of checked out a little bit because one of I just got word that one of the uh, video we recorded Monday uh, is fucked up and we can't use it because of audio. So I was trying to handle that. Uh, so yeah. Um, so I'm not happy. But nevertheless, uh, I am happy that you guys showed up and uh, that you guys uh, show up every Thursday when we do these, man. Um, you know, it's uh, 
you know, adding another show is, is more work, but we, we show up and we do it for y'all. Uh, FIFO, uh, should be back next week. And, um, and we'll be back next week, man. And that's going to do it for us, man. So, Hey, we got uh, another super chat real quick. Tigolo. Tigolo said, I had one of my homies watch Tuesday. He said, dope. Hey man, I oh, appreciate wow. that for sure, man. Like I said, man, that, that means a lot. Y- y'all don't understand, man how much y'all having people come on and watch with us and, and, and be with us. That means a lot to each of us, man. And we appreciate it because it makes it worth it. I mean, we, also, we do it. Go ahead. No, also, no, adding on to that. Also add suggestions in, you know, I was, I will always want to make people feel part and as much of it as they are, you know, and you all are part of the show, the people who, mm-hmm. you know, comment send the super chats every week suggestions you know what i mean like hit 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 the folks up on twitter hit us up on instagram hit us up in the comments i respond I, trust me i'm very much so live in the comments mm-hmm. i will respond yeah. back and, you know uh you know and i respect all criticism from negative to positive um and just you know sharing with a friend and telling them to share with a friend it gives us the ability to not just supply more content like uh, Sheldon was talking about but it gives us the ability to give more thorough content because we have mm-hmm. more time to actually not just consume the games, but actually be able to contextualize the stats and all types of stuff that y'all want to hear about. If y'all mm-hmm. want more, if y'all want more shows, more weekly stuff, stuff on the weekends, send us, send us super chat in. You know what I mean? Tell us what to, what you want. We're going to start to clip the videos into segments soon, very soon. So y'all can have more condensed watching like a lot of guys do on YouTube. So we're going to be able to get this up and running, man. So much appreciated for sure. Yep. I'm working on that process now. So I'm working into my, my weekly process. Um, yeah. T- yeah. T- we're, we are doing a round one next week for the NFL draft to answer that question too. Yes. Yes. For sure. This next Thursday. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the social media is, um, all of them are listed on our main social media. We just got asked what the social medias are. It's dead in sports um, everywhere. Dead in sports, and, and it's it's all on there. Um, and you can reach us there. And, and you said he said uh, no. I'm reading them right now. Y'all should make a stream Streamlabs account. You collect more money compared to uh, YT Super Chats. Yeah, I, we do have a Streamlabs account. We do the lead there. But if you're saying we should simulcast there as well. Then um, I'm for that. I actually have been thinking about that uh, this week. So thanks for that uh, suggestion. Mm-hmm. And you can also send in more suggestions to uh, e- they can email it too, right, Ken? Yeah, they can hit me on Twitter, man. They can hit me wherever, man. Twitter, Reddit, uh, email me. Um, they can send an email to deadinsports at gmail.com. Uh, we'll get it there. Uh, DM on Instagram, deadinsports. Twitter, Dead in Sports, Facebook, Facebook.com slash Dead in Sports. So, yeah. Hey, hey Ken, uh, Dragon Knight want me to ask you, do you know who EDP is? No. <laughs> who is that? EDP is a, a YouTuber, man, and, and he he ain't one to know. He just got his, he just got, he, he's about to get locked up, I think. But he's messing with minors on, online. He was a popular YouTuber, uh, Trump supporter. I'm, I, I think I'm pretty sure he is, but he ain't mm-hmm. worth knowing. But he's been in the news for soliciting minors. 
Yeah, I I just saw um, Trump issue a letter about LeBron James, and I was just disappointed that they even covering that. I know he's the former president, but, you know, and they got to do what they got to do, and news is news, but it's just like, it's just, it's it's attention-seeking, and, you know, Mm -hmm. they don't need to feed the beast, but. Right. You know, it is what it is. People want to hear what he got to say, even if I don't. So it is. So, you know, it is what it one is. More, one more time. If y'all hadn't hit the like button, go ahead and hit that now. And we appreciate you. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. We'll catch you guys next time. We out. Peace. Peace.